Hey folks, it's John from A is for Alcoholic again. Today's conversation is with Katie Oligoki. She is the founder of Sober Black Girls Club, uh, a website dedicated to helping black women find other black women to get sober with. It's a great resource for anybody, um, and it was great to talk to her. We had a good conversation. We talked about the importance of doing the work, of finding yourself, of reaching out for help, of finding somebody you can relate to. And I think that was the biggest thing that I took away was how important it is to find somebody that you can relate to and that you can connect with and why it's important to have many voices in this conversation about sobriety and recovery so that we can all help each other find our way through this sometimes seemingly impossible mess. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie Oligoki. When did you find yourself drinking alcoholically or was there somebody in your life, an adult, when you were a child that um, that you were around that started drinking? Um, now, I, I grew up like in a really, my, my, I'm African Muslim, um, so my family just didn't drink. I didn't start drinking until I went to college. So that was like 18, 19. Um, I went to college, I started drinking and, you know, at that time I was socially, well, to be honest, when I think about my college and like law school drinking, like we were drinking in a way that we shouldn't be, have been drinking. Like it was, it was crazy. It was, it was nuts, mm. but, um, it looked okay because everyone was drinking. That's what you do when you go to school, you drink. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 that I remember I was moving back to New York City. That's where I'm from, Staten Island. I was moving back to Staten Island. I had just taken the bar. Um, you know, I was going to start a new job. I was starting, a lot of things were changing really fast. And it basically, I, I basically became depressed. Um, me and my ex for like five, six years, we had broken up. So I was like, living in this apartment alone. Like it was just, it was just new and it was scary, I guess. And um, at that time, I didn't really understand. Now, looking back, I can say, like, I just wasn't comfortable being alone. I wasn't comfortable with myself. I didn't like myself at that time. Um, and, but I didn't know that, you know? Like, you go through life, you like get your degrees, you have your car, and you think that that's what life is until you have all those things and you're still unhappy and you're like, what the, like, you know, what the hell? So at that time, 2017 to 2018, I just started drinking heavily. Um, to the fact that, like, I lost my job. I lost multiple jobs. Um, I couldn't afford to keep my apartment. I couldn't. I, I lost my car. I had to move back in my parents, um, to my parents' house with my parents. Um, so, yeah, my life was just really falling apart. I wasn't going to work. Nothing was just working out. And um, it was just that, that, that year of depression for me that led to to me drinking more heavily, which then turned into a problem, which then turned into a full-blown addiction. Yeah. Um, was it, so it was mostly social at first as it is for, for, for a lot of people, or was it, was it more, I'm trying to avoid things that are making me, you know, you say you, you fell into depression. Was it directly related to that or was there social drinking that slid into that being in school it was at first it was definitely so social <clears throat> drinking. 
talking. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't even like to really use the word social because there was nothing social about the way I drank in college and law school. Like looking back, it was it was it's bad. It was bad. My drinking habits were awful. But because it's school, no one cares. Like you know, it's just right. like you you know, we're gonna go party. So yeah, it, I was drinking around others at that time. So I guess that's the social aspect. But it was I, I my drinking habits law school was awful. But um, I will say that once 2017 hit, I was just, I guess I was just really depressed. I've always had the mm-hmm. A-type personality. So I was like a part of sororities and clubs. And I'm like, I was, I, you know, every year I was getting scholarships, awards, blah, 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 blah. And then when it was 2017 where I had to just live this life where I wasn't getting, um, I guess, like, compliments every day. I wasn't, like, the, the, the center of people's attention anymore. Um, it kind of... I wasn't expecting that. And, um, yeah, you know, I could have joined other clubs and, you know, made new friends and been a part of this and been a part of that. But that's just not where my mind was at. And that's where mm-hmm. I, what I was talking about before. Of Like, I didn't realize how much I didn't like myself. I wasn't okay with just being alone and being quiet. And, like having like stillness I wasn't used to that I was always used to like chaos and I don't use chaos in a bad way but just drama and I don't drama not in necessarily a bad way I was just used to things happening and revolving around me and like my life being like one two three and I just wasn't used to like this slow pace like oh wow I'm an adult like really like I just have a nine-to-five job come home blah 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 and I just got depressed and just started drinking at that time um alone and then it just manifested into uh, a problem and addiction. Yeah, there's this. I when I hear you talk about wanting not necessarily chaos or or um, or drama, but there's this this feeling. I know when I was drinking very heavily of always wanting there to be some sort of action or distraction or something going on and getting looking for that that sort of exciting thrill or and even if that exciting thrill was just what sitting on a bar stool, maybe <laughs> like that was, that was enough for me to forget about or ignore other things going on in my head and in my heart and in my life. And, um, I think that's a very common thing with a lot of people who deal with, with addiction is this sort of, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to go and find this thing that's supposedly fun, you know? And, um, you know, I, I think that there was some fun, but it was always had that underlying, uh, yeah. that feeling, like you say, of depression or frustration or not wanting to be still. Like, that's something that is so absolutely true <laughs> with me, for sure. Um, was there a moment where you, was there, was, there, was there a moment or something that happened where you were like, okay, I'm done? Or was it just... Did you just wake up one day and say, I've, I've got to stop this? Um, I was at, like, my second legal job. Mind you, I, I'm a new lawyer. Like, I should have mm-hmm. jobs. Like, I, you know, so I was already fired from my first legal job. Um, it was at the, I was at a firm in Brooklyn, and um, they had, like, a party the day before. I don't know. I wasn't there. I probably called out because I was drinking or something. And um, the next day I go to work and there's like bottles of alcohol. And I'm like, and I just, I, I just went to the bathroom and drank and um, I cursed out my boss and um, got fired, got sent home. And I was like, you know what? I'm just so tired of this, like this life. Like I, like 
because I, um, when I used to drink, I, I, when I, when I drink, when I used to drink, when I was drinking, um, I wasn't always like the nicest, I, you know, I was kind of rude, selfish, blah, 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 when I was under the influence. Um, wait, why did I bring that? I just lost my train of thought. So yeah, I lost my train of thought, but going back to the question, yes, that's the incident. That's the day that I, um, decided that I, I just couldn't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with, but yeah, when I used, when I am under the influence, I'm not the nicest person. I'm really, right. really rude. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So then I just had to basically accept that like, yeah, I do like drinking. Yes. Drinking can be fun, but every time I drink something bad always happened. It's so I had to like, it just, I just had to accept that I had to stop. Like there was no moderation for me. There was no like reduced harm. Like that's not, it wasn't a thing. Like, I would try to not drink and, or drink a little and I might, you know, do well for a week and then when things started going good again I would go back into bad old habits so I just had to accept that like yeah alcohol right. is fun but it's just not it's not giving me the life that I that I want for myself yeah no and I I, I totally get that sort of oh, I'll just quit for a little while. And then when that like three day hangover goes away and then you, you feel a little bit better and you're like, oh, the, everything's fine again. And then it yeah. just, um, can I ask you growing up in a no alcohol um, uh, as, as a child in your family and an environment, um, do you think, how does that play into then being somewhere where it's readily available? Was it was it instilled in you not to drink, or was it just not around? Was it something that was taught? Or it wasn't, and that's actually a really good question. It wasn't instilled in me not to. I mean, kids know not to drink. Like mm-hmm. I guess in school, <laughs> but like in family, like no, it wasn't like it wasn't something that was discussed. But it's just something hmm. that we just didn't do. Right. Didn't drink, but that's actually a really good point. Like raising kids and, and and actually teaching them about like the dangers of alcohol and other stuff too, because we never talk about it. I mean, you go to school, they talk about it in school, kind of. I guess I don't remember even them talking about alcohol in school. Mm-mm. Um, but you know, it was just something that you know, Muslims you don't don't drink, don't smoke, don't blah blah blah, don't, you know, whatever. Don't have sex before marriage, like all that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All those things that we knew not to do. Right. Yeah, I always find it so funny now, you know, being five years sober, um, that I look back on it and there was no instruction about it. And I always hate to be, I don't ever want to be somebody who's like this teetotaler and like, hey, you you can't drink. Like a lot of people can and that's great and that's fine. But there really is this underlying, especially in America, um, in this, this culture of destructive drinking that we don't think about and we don't talk about and it's almost encouraged as a fun thing to do and it's just like you said just what you do in college like hey it's college it's no big deal and not everybody is able to leave it when college is over and I think that that like it gets your gets their hooks in them and so I was just I'm always curious like when somebody grows up because my dad was an alcoholic and so not having it it doesn't I guess it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter once you get it, you know, once you get a taste of it, you are, you are then you're hooked if you're an alcoholic. I mean, and how do you feel about that word? Do you, do you consider yourself an alcoholic or do you, how do you, de- how do you define it for yourself? I mean, it's different for everybody, right? So I don't want to put a label on you. 
Yeah, I don't call myself an alcoholic just because um, I'm not. I was. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I, okay, so just to backtrack a little bit, like, yeah. like alcohol is so ingrained in our culture. It's like even the other day, I, I was, I honestly sat down and was watching Netflix, and um, I like made a tally of every time alcohol was like in a show I was watching or it was mentioned, and it's constantly being shown, and I, I didn't even realize that. Like yeah. we, like, like everything. <clears throat> that they did in whatever show, movie I was watching, like, they had alcohol in the scene, or they were talking about getting a drink or going to a bar. Like, America shoves alcohol down on us, and I feel like we really need to, like, change that. I don't know what needs to be done, but, like, that that just was just really disturbing. Um, and go back to, like, the uh, word alcoholic. No, I don't consider myself an alcoholic because that's what I was. I think that, like, anyone can become addicted. If you do something long enough, you can become addicted to it, especially if you have an addicting personality, um, which is why I really um, am scared for a lot of people who are drinking in quarantine. Like, you don't, you're not going to know you have a problem until you try to stop, and then you can't stop. And it's going to be harder for you to stop yeah. if you're doing something more often. Like, if you're constantly drinking, it's going to... It just makes sense that it would be harder for anyone who has spent days, uh, months drinking to then stop drinking because drinking makes people feel good, you know, for that time, for that moment. So um, I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I did... I admit that I probably... I was an alcoholic in the past. I can't mm -hmm. say drinking problem or abuse alcohol but I think it's important for people to know that anyone can abuse alcohol anyone can abuse anything anyone can can become an alcoholic mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I don't think that I have a special a special a special gene in me or like I'm just sure. like you know like you said it, growing up alcohol was not in my family and sometimes and I guess like uh when I was um, dealing with my addiction, I kept on thinking, like, how did this happen to me? And again, because I was really in that AA mentality, which I love AA. I don't have anything wrong. I don't think there's just anything wrong with AA. However, I, um, it was easier for me to understand that anyone can become an alcoholic if they drink too much, um, if they have, if they if they have certain characteristics, if they have certain habits or certain practices. And I just had to accept, like, me drinking 2017 nonstop led to my drinking problem. You know, I didn't have a drinking problem in, in like, in law school or in college where I was able to drink and go to work and do this and do that. Now I'm 2017, I cannot even get up to go to work. You know, that is an, mm -hmm. that's a problem. So I think that anyone can become an alcoholic, but I, I'm not too hip on... Um, the word alcoholic because I mean if I am one I'm if I when I was one okay I can use the word but I'm not anymore so I don't call myself that <laughs> fair enough I mean I I I am I I guess I use it for myself just because I like to remind myself you know and I, I don't feel um I definitely feel like the obsession has been lifted it's not something that that controls my life but there are always I mean I I co-host a podcast about alcoholism, so I mean it's obviously on my mind. But um, it's just always interesting to me to hear other people talk about it. So 2018, you have this moment at work, and that's when you're like, "Hey, I'm done with this." This is—I mean, was it like a big epiphany, or was it like I just need to take a break? Or 
I was really embarrassed because I've never drank at work before. So I was like kind of mm-hmm. realized and I actually just chucked myself into rehab. That's how embarrassed I was. Like I was just so embarrassed. Um, I chucked myself into a rehab, left the rehab feeling like I wasn't an alcoholic because everyone they was nuts, crazy, doing drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, that me, I was being very judgmental, and I was like, you know what, these people are nuts. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember leaving rehab and going to get a drink, which clearly shows that I, I had I had a drinking problem. Um, but I did like the 28 days in rehab, left, you know, you know, okay, yes, I needed just a break. Now I'm good. But I went back into old habits. So it wasn't until let's say like July of of 2000 and 19 yeah like last july i believe um that i was just like yeah i'm done like i'm done um something happened at home where like i was drinking long story short i was so hot and i woke up like naked in my parents um room bedroom and like i freaked them the fuck out sorry excuse my language i don't know if I that's okay you're fine yes you can curse I freak them out. And again, they don't understand what alcoholism is. They don't understand what I'm going through. They have never seen me. They don't, they don't you know, they don't, they don't, they're not around drunk people. They don't know anything. So they were just mm-hmm. out. And I just, looking at like the terror on my little sister's face, I was like, no, I, I have to stop. Like, this is just not working. So it was 2019 where I was like, July 2019, I was like, this is it. This is mm-hmm. have to be it. <laughs> And you talk about you you spend some time in AA, um, or you 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 uh, you use that as part of your your program, um, and I and I think I, what I think is and I I don't want to promote it. It's what got me sober, and it's what keeps me sober in a lot of ways. But um, I think about what you said about you know there's there's good things in AA, but they, they're very much like you are an alcoholic. And so I I think what's really valuable is, and what I've, what I've learned just from talking to other people is how personal it is Mm -hmm. and how different, how everybody takes it differently. And so, um, did you find that 2019, um, did, was, I guess what I want to ask is, was, was the program of AA, was that part of your recovery at that point or yeah AA is still part of my recovery um mm-hmm. I have a group because I, I don't want to be around people who have share similar issues as I who share, share well I don't want to say my home group we have similar experiences but whatever I want to be around other people who have suffered from alcoholism right um, so I still go to my home group well not now because of COVID-19 but I was going before um nine to ten I just don't um I go there for the fellowship I just don't really care for the the steps getting a sponsor mm-hmm. I just don't really care for that and I think that like like you mentioned like our journeys everyone's journey is just so different you have to figure out what works for you and um that's why i tell people like you need to try different things go to this aa meeting you might need the spiritual awakening maybe you need to see a therapist like i i've done anything and everything (laughs) because i um and it's so crazy like people always say like oh my turnaround um time was kind of fast well okay college law school i was drinking probably drinking really in a not 
drinking heavily, but it was seen, it was like looked at as normal. Okay, but I can admit I was drinking heavy, heavily, but I didn't have a problem then. 2017, 2018, I literally saw my life like change within like a snap of a, my fingers. Like literally lost my car, lost my apartment, lost this and that. And I was, at that time, I was really desperate just to get better. So I did try everything and anything. I went right. to rehab, I, do, I, I, I went to outpatient. Um, I did AA, I did this and blah, blah, blah. And you just have to really figure out what works for you. Like for me, I still go to AA in the morning because I like to be around my, my home group. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a therapist. I, um, you know, I rehost our support group meetings on Thursday. I read, the, I'm reading The Naked Mind, which I love. Yeah. Uh, you know, Good like book. you have to do what works for you. And if being in part of AA is your thing, then go ahead. If that works for you, you know, go ahead. But mm-hmm. some folks, when you tell them, like, you don't do the steps, AA, they get, like, all crazy or do. I'm like, can you relax? Like, relax, calm down. But, um, mm-hmm. No, I, I feel like I can't tell anyone what to do. Like, it's a, it's a spiritual self-journey. And when it comes to drinking, I can give you suggestions. But ultimately, you're going to have to figure out what works for you. Yeah, it's funny when you – it's exactly when you say that and you said, oh, well, I don't I don't work the steps. And there's a little part inside of me is like, what? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, but you, you, you got to. And I'm like – but but that's that's my sobriety and yeah. that's that's you know that's your sobriety and not my sobriety and it was it reminds me of um I went to I went to a um what's it called refuge recovery meeting and I came home and I was talking to my girlfriend and I said I don't know how these people stay sober there's no structure there and she's like John it's because it's not for you you're the one who needs the structure <laughs> you know so i was like and that was a big epiphany for me was oh that's because this is what i need yeah. to organize my life that yeah. may not be what everybody else needs they may not have it as bad as you john so um and you talk about having a therapist and you talk about you know slipping into a depression um and i think what happens for some people is they think if I quit drinking, then all my problems go away. Yeah. And I found that in a lot of ways, when I quit drinking, it was just that now the problems that I had were exposed. And (laughs) so can you talk a little bit about like dealing with depression or other issues um, once you've gotten sober and going to therapy or, or whatever else you might do to do that? Yeah, sure. So after um, I got sober, I think like maybe two months later, I was still like not feeling my best. I was still like, yeah, like I understand that drinking caused a lot of my problems. So now, of course, I wasn't arguing with my friends. I wasn't fighting with my mom. I wasn't crashing cars. Great. Those problems have now went away now that I'm sober, but I was still really feeling unhappy. And through therapy and through, um, yeah, basically therapy, I was diagnosed with OCD. And I didn't even know what OCD was. I just thought that OCD was just something, honestly, I've only associated OCD with white people and mm-hmm. cleaning too much. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, like, I just, I've never, I was like, what? I don't, I don't even, I'm not a clean freak. Like, what? And um, after learning and going through therapy, like, OCD is more than just, cleaning it's having a, an obsessive compulsive um um demeanor attitude or mm-hmm. actions and um he made like oh, i just kept on thinking back to my whole life and it just made so much sense why 
you know, I, I always needed to stay thin, would never like leave the house without like makeup. Um, I would leave the house and even though I know I locked the door, would come back like three times just to make sure the door was locked. Constantly checking to make sure the, um, uh, the, my stove was off, obsessing over makeup, obsessing over the littlest, tiniest, like, you know, out of place hair, going nuts. And it made so much sense of, like, it just, it made so much sense and just brought everything together. Um, and I don't think I would have figured that out if I was still drinking because, you know, when you're drinking, everyone is like, well, stop drinking. And then your doctor's like, stop drinking. And then things will get better. Um, so if it was because of sobriety that I realized that like, I have other issues, um, that have nothing to do with alcohol, like mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, my, my sponsor told me too, when I, we were talking and I was bringing up some stuff about my father and he said, John, there may be some things that you need professional help with and that I cannot help you with. And I was like, oh, and you know, it kind of made me laugh and chuckle because I thought that I was there to get fixed. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm just we're here to get fixed and the program's going to fix me and then I'll be fixed. And and that was another epiphany of like, oh, OK, so now that you've untangled this, there are other things to untangle. So I, I always think it's it's so important to think about that is that it's it's we again, we spend so much time drinking and being distracted and being um, trying to not think because pain. Right. We're in pain. And we don't want to be in pain. And the easiest way to not be in pain is to drink. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't last very long, and the pain is still there. So I always just think it's valuable to talk about the the other stuff, you know. And <clears throat> whether it's whether it's depression or OCD or anxiety, I mean, my God, now in the way that the world is right now, I mean, who's not anxious okay. <laughs> or depressed? or stressed about something, about anything, about everything, you know? So, um, and <clears throat> so you, you've been sober a year now, two That's years? Yeah. Oh, no. No. I, no. <laughs> I'll be oh. a year in, I want to say October. Okay. Um, I don't have a year. I've been running to the Blacklist Club for about two years. And like I posted yesterday, the first year of me running that club, I was still drinking. I wanted to get sober, but I was still like, I was still drinking. Um, I've had a couple of relapses, but this is my longest stint yet. So I'll be uh -huh. a year in October. That's awesome. I mean, that's huge. Congratulations so far. And yeah. Um, so can you talk about Sober Black Girls Club and... Um, and why you started it while you were still drinking, you talk about not wanting to drink. And so what, just the, the, the evolution of that. Yeah. So, um, I, I got into like a fight with my friends and I was like, you know what, again, have it, it, it was like a reoccurring epiphany of like, I need to stop drinking alcohol. just keeps on messing everything up for me. Um, and I remember I went on Instagram and I was looking for like sober profiles to, to um, find and at that time, like, all I could find were, like, profiles of um, white women. And that wasn't the issue. Uh, talking about, like, sobriety in a way where it was, like, this fun thing. Like, here I am, my life is in shambles. But they're posting, like, quotes and, uh, you know, talking about, like, different, like, alcohol-free wines and coffee and doing yoga. And here I am, miserable as fuck, like needing some type of like guidance and help and 
And I didn't see that. Like I did not yeah. see that at that time. So I just decided to create so Black Girls Club to for once um to sorry, I'm like jumbling my words, to do two things. One, like add our presence in the sober community. Even today I saw like an ad of some guy who who some guy posted an ad it was like sober profiles, sober influencers of twenty twenty, I don't know, something like that. And I was like, hello, like all these people, like white men, like where are the women? Where are like the black people get sober too? Like where is the diversity? I was, and, and I w- read through the comments and people were like, wait, so black people don't get sober. It was just really weird. And I know like, I guess he did DM me. He bought the, he, that ad was from um, months ago. I don't know why it was showing up on my feed today. And he was like, he constantly is updating it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, cause that's, that's, that's just not right. Like you, that's just, that's mm-hmm. awful. Um, so yeah, so basically to, uh, add our presence into the sober community and as well as to add up different narratives, like, yeah, I have a lot of black women, a part of sober blackness club who didn't really consider themselves alcoholics. Um, you know, they were able to, you know, have a family, uh, keep their jobs, you know, no DWIs, no this and that. However, they realized that alcohol was keeping them from living their, their best life for whatever reason. So I just want to, to change the narrative. Yes, you can want to get sober because you might have an addiction. You might you might um, have an, a drinking problem. You might be abusing drugs, alcohol. Or, and I want to also support the girls who just want to make sobriety the new norm, who want to change the way we interact with each other. So I'm just trying to like add different narratives and not let anyone um, feel left out. Regardless if you went to rehab or if you did it on your own, just trying to uh, shape up the um, the narrative of sobriety. Like sobriety doesn't have to be because you're an alcoholic. Like I just, I can't wait. I'm not a scientist. I don't have a lot of information on that. But like, I just, I honestly don't feel like anyone should be drinking. I just feel like when you think about what alcohol does and the potential, the potential it has to destroy your life, why is it even a thing? I, why are people doing it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've had numerous discussions and you, people who, who don't have, who haven't suffered from alcoholism in one way or another, they have two drinks and they feel nauseous and drowsy and it's time to put it down. And I've never had that, that experience (laughs) never, you know? So, um, and I, I think it's, I think it's really important what you do and you talk about being, it's a, it's really like, it's a human thing. And this, this, the disease of alcoholism can affect anybody, you know? And so, when you go looking for help and maybe you're stuck in quarantine and maybe you're stuck in your apartment and all you can think about is drinking and you go on to Instagram recovery, Instagram, which is not always, there are some good, there are some good things and there are some bad things with everything, but you're right. It's certainly, it's usually a bunch of white guys talking about exercise and, and, you know, reading the book. And (laughs) so um, I just think it's really important. So when you start this, Sober Black Girls Club, you're still drinking, and this is your way. And you talk about it in the bio about holding yourself accountable. And I think that that's a really important thing. Um, and I know that I do that sometimes for fitness stuff online, where it's like, well, I promised myself I'm going to do 100 push ups every single day for July. So I better put it out there because if I don't, I won't do it. So, can you talk a little bit about like that year of trying to hold yourself accountable while drinking and wanting to be sober? Yeah, sure. So when Sober Blackness Club first started, we would just I was just a blog and I just would write 
what was going on, um, post on Instagram. Like it wasn't really a community as it is now. It was just mm-hmm. a, it was just a blog basically. Um, so yeah, I would have like I would tell myself I won't drink, and I don't know, like I might go like through three days, five days, you know. I I had like two sometimes two weeks of no alcohol, feeling really good, but something would always happen where I would always still go back and you know just constantly relapsing, um, not putting in the work. And I say this, sobriety does. If you have a problem. Well, sobriety takes work. Self-esteem takes work. Figuring out who you are takes work. So I don't like to say sobriety takes work because I don't want it to make it seem like it's a hard thing. But getting to know who you truly are takes work. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't figuring out like what my triggers were. Why did I, like, why when I kind of didn't need to drink was I still thinking about a drink? Just trying to figure out, like, different, different specific things about who I was and what my problem, like, how I what my problem was and where did it stem from and even going deeper past the bottle. So at that time, 2018, I was just a girl typing, didn't know anything, didn't know what I was doing, just didn't know anything, to be honest. Um, but I knew I wanted to be sober. That's, I, I, knew, I knew that much. Yeah. Um, it's great. And I, I, think it's, I think it's really helpful. And I think that it, um, it definitely brings a different voice to this bigger conversation that all of us are having about staying sober and figuring out how to get sober and um, looking for people. It's important to find people that look like you. It's important to find somebody who you can, because that's the thing that the thread that I found in recovery is that it's relatable. It has to be relatable. If I don't relate, if I don't relate to you, then I'm not going to be interested in what you say on some level. And so that's really important. Um, Another thing that was that, that's great right now. Can you talk about uh, your your Dry July um, initiative, yeah. the campaign? Yeah. So what you just – before I get into that, like, what you yeah. just brought up was, like, a really good point. I just want – like, I didn't even know I had a problem because at that time I was still, like, looking presentable. I feel like – I feel like representation is so important because I know for me, I thought – alcoholics were bums in the streets and now I know anyone can be an alcoholic a lawyer doctor anyone like you can have your your house your car and still be an alcoholic um so I think that it is and at first in the beginning I wasn't putting my face a lot on the um on my blog I wasn't really showing who I was but I realized that the more I get personal the more I put my picture out the more I DMs and emails I get from girls who look like me, who are like, okay, I think I may have a problem too. I need people to see that this is the face of a person who can possibly be an alcoholic, who can abuse drugs, can be an alcohol, I mean, abuse alcohol, excuse me. So I think representation is so important because it shows, it looks different for certain people. And um, sometimes you might not even, people don't even know they have a problem because, you know, their life is together. But if we can show, like, listen, you can still have a problem. You can still have a problem with alcohol and have A, B, and C. I think, like, and that's again goes back to changing up the narrative. It's so important for different narratives to be told um, mm-hmm. when talking about sobriety and addiction. But going back to, um, well, going to your your initial question about <laughs> July our campaign. Um, well, one, I feel like everyone has been drinking. I drinking a lot uh, this past couple of months um 
So the Black Girls Club has really grown, and it's we haven't grown because like I'm doing anything special. We've grown because I feel like people are realizing that like they probably have a problem. Like, you know, and the truth is the longer you do something, the harder it's going to be to stop. So, um, I, you know, I work with a lot of experienced women who are always looking for a break, a break. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to stop this. And I just felt like a challenge is the easiest way to start something. Like, just do this challenge and get 31 days of sobriety and see how it feels. So that's why we decided to actually participate in Dry July. We've also done one. We did like a no alcohol challenge in January and also last October. So they work like the women that I work with, that I'm friends with, um, they love the challenge. Um, this challenge is, is going to, well, it is dedicated to Brianna Taylor. Um, and I mean, I think everyone is pretty much familiar with her case, but long story short, in March 13, I, I believe, um, she was killed in her home. Uh, like the police, eight shots, the police, storms her apartment looking for basically stormed the wrong apartment they weren't looking for her apartment they weren't looking for her they were looking for somebody else who was already in custody and um ended up shooting her eight times and she died and i just think that's like so ludicrous and it just doesn't make any sense uh the fact that you apply for a warrant with false information with false things that were not true, they were facts, but you applied for the warrant, you lied to this judge, got the warrant signed, um, and it was a no-knock warrant. So basically they had permission, permission due to the warrant to just storm into her apartment at night at one o'clock in the morning. And um, th that, her story really hurts me the most because, okay, we constantly seeing Black Lives Matter, people getting killed by the police, you know, for, for maybe selling loose leaves or whatever you call loose cigarettes or drinking outside. She was in her home. Like, when are, like, where can we be safe? And not even in our own home at night and sleeping in bed. I think that that is ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. And I don't care what the cops say. I don't care what they're, reasoning like what was is i don't even care her life is gone for nothing she did nothing wrong and i just when i talk about her when i hear her story i just think it like it could have been me like it could have been me um so yeah so basically back to challenge Every day that we're staying dry, we're doing completing an actionable item to either call the mayor of kentucky of louisville whatever city i I'm really bad with um, pronunciation sometimes. I have like this this uh, New York slur. So, so whatever city that is in, mm -hmm. in um, we're like making phone calls, we're donating to her family, et cetera, et cetera. Every day we do something. Today is Blackout Tuesday, so um, we're just not buying anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. And then uh, another thing that I, that I, you said also actionable, um, uh, items or actionable actions. Um, and one of them you talked about is the, maybe even taking the money you would have spent on drinking and donating that toward, um, toward something that, you know, yeah. whatever the cause might be. Um, and I think that that's really great because one of the things I learned in very early sobriety is when I quit drinking, I don't know that this is true, but it felt like my bank account tripled 
Like it felt like the amount of money I had had grown exponentially in those first few months. And I, I was thinking, is this really how much I spent on alcohol like every single day? And when I started to trace it back and I would say, well, even if I bought a cheap bottle here and then there was the six pack and then there was the bottle of wine in case I went through the bottle. And the, and so and then I realized, you know, how many hundreds of dollars I was spending every single week and how, you know, those resources can be used for anything better, you know. No, so I just think it's sorry. I was just gonna say I think it's a great thing. And I mean, not only to stay sober, but to also, you know, do something, you know, for Brianna Taylor and for uh for a cause that like is is bigger than yourself in, in some ways, you know, to use that vernacular. When you talk about money, my gosh, because for me it wasn't just drinking, it was like Drinking and eating went hand in hand for me. So, like, mm. I'm not going to drink, like, Hennessy and make a sandwich. No, I'm probably going to, you know, get, like, a seafood boil and do this and do that. Like, you know, like, make make it seem as if I'm not just drinking. Like, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going out, blah, blah, blah. When uh, the first month, I actually had a savings. Like, I couldn't believe it because the truth is, I spent hundreds a week on alcohol. And again, I wouldn't be eating this much food if I wasn't hungover, if I wasn't drinking this much. So it really went hand in hand, my drinking and eating and correlating to like the money that I spent on alcohol and food was crazy. Like literally me easily spending like $300, $500 a week just to satisfy my my drinking habit. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's all the behaviors around the drinking, which include, you know, getting takeout food, going out to dinners and just, you know, and which, and I found that when I was drinking, the food that I was eating was not great. It was usually trash (laughs) just because I wanted to feel good in that moment of being hungover. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's a great thing. And I, I, I've talked about this with my co-host on the podcast about the sober challenges and stuff like that. And, you know, we've gone back and forth about, at first I was very, I felt very a little resentful, like, oh, this is, I'm in this shit for real and you're just having a fun little month off. Right. And so, so, and that was kind of my, that was my feeling like sober October or dry January and all these things. And I've now come to the realization that, Anything that can help anybody just remove alcohol from their life for a little while even is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that my cha- my my thinking has changed on that because it used to be this like, well, you guys don't know. You don't. You, what do you normies think? This is all fun and games for 30 days. I got to do this every single day for the rest of my life. And and I was like, well, that's not a very healthy attitude, John. So, <laughs> you know, like. And not everybody has the biggest problem like you do. So it's like that's that you know those those things I say to myself. So I just think it's really good to find not only find something that can help people get away from alcohol, but also that can be for a bigger cause. You know, um, and so Sober Black Girls Club has been around for like two years now, right? Something like that, two years. And um, what else is there anything else about it or how would people find you or is there any other anything else you want to talk about with that with regards to that 
Yeah, thanks, Sean. Um, so we have a website. Um, people think that we're an Instagram account, which I understand why, but like we have like a blog, a website, <laughs> like where mm-hmm. where like we um release like weekly blogs and newsletters. Um, you know, we have like a, sh- a sh- merchandise shop. Uh, I guess Instagram is our biggest platform. That's where a lot of people meet us and and hear us and and talk to us. Um, we run a support group on Thursdays. And that's just for a black and brown woman just to get together. Again, in this group, the women are in multiple different programs. Some can be doing AA, some outpatient. You know, we just, we, we come together just to talk about our issues and, you know, just to give each other advice and, and encourage. Um, during COVID-19, <clears throat> um, well, we're still in COVID-19. I don't know why I said during. So, and earlier, in the earlier times, uh, before, like, I want to say March, April, it was really hard for some of our, um, I want to say members, girls, because they weren't working. They were um, either in rehab or outpatient, just trying to get their life together. You know, like, I I can, you know, I have a, a, a law degree. A lot of people don't have that. So, for me, I when I was basically, you know, in and out of rehab and outpatient, it was so easy for me to find work per diem. I didn't need to work for for a law firm. I can, you know, money has never really been an issue for me because I could just work on myself or my own. But a lot of these women were like trying to figure out their lives. So they weren't really working. They were working on part-time. They were going to outpatients in and out of like rehab, trying to get like their lives together. Um, You know, they haven't filed taxes in years, um, which is like the reality for a lot of people who suffer for from addiction and it was difficult so we started like the COVID-19 fund food fund and basically we've been um right now we have a rotation of 12 13 women who like every month until this thing gets better we send them um we send them food groceries to Amazon Fresh I'm really happy about that and um I'm actually really surprised like the way this I mean I don't even want to talk about politics but I just feel like our country is weird. Like, yeah. you, you gave us $1,200 for three weeks. For three, I mean, for four months. Like, we're March, April, May, June, July. Five months. Like, and you think people are, like, what are people supposed to do with that? Like, what? Like, I have women who, like, I've seen their fridge. Like, who literally, if we did not get them groceries up each month, would not have food to eat. This country yeah. is just so weird. And I just feel like, a lot of folks who are suffering from addiction, they're not getting the support they need. It's just mm-hmm. like, come on. It's just, this is, it's just weird. So aside from that, we've also started um, our medical fund and um, that was inspired. So I was having a conversation with one of the girls who I, I do talk to a lot um, through the through to the Lacos Club and she was um, interested in going into inpatient. So we're researching inpatient treatments for a while, she finally found one that she liked. She's very particular. She doesn't trust people. So it took us a while to like find a place that she liked. And um, she actually called, we called, we spoke to the financial person. And then they were telling her her out-of-pocket out of expenses were going to be $3,000. And that automatically like, discouraged her. And at first, I was like, well, we can find a free one. And But then I just like, why? Why, why don't you deserve to be in a rehab where you can go outside for like an hour or you can go swimming. Like, I don't, like, I, I didn't have that experience. I had one where a state ran 
um, I went to a state man rehab where, again, I left feeling like I wasn't an alcoholic. So, um, you know, we have to, like, I don't know, like, basically us creating that fun is just acknowledging that it doesn't matter, like, what your color is. It doesn't matter your your level of education or your your income bracket. Everyone deserves good shit. Like, I don't care. Like, you deserve good stuff. So that's why we decided to um, come together, and now she's going to go off to California, which, you know, I'm kind of jealous. I would love... I would, I, if I could go to California right now just to even stay in a rehab, get out of New York City, I will do that in a second. So she's um, going mm-hmm. to California now. She's starting her rehab in a couple of weeks. So that one is really important because we're trying to give our girls, a, I don't know, a good recovery story, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's great services. We want them to really choose sobriety and in a way where they don't feel like they're losing something in a way where they feel like they're actually gaining something. So yeah, we have those two funds, our support group. Um, you know, you can Google us on the Black Girls Club. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, our website. We're just everywhere. Just cool. if you can Google, you'll find it. Okay. Um, and then I have two questions. Um, one, what is what are you struggling with right now? Like in your sobriety? What is something that you are you are currently struggling with or that gives you trouble um routine i'm just so bad with routine Mm -hmm. um and i i shouldn't say i'm bad because i'm not making it work i'm being lazy and i understand like we're in quarantine but it's been five five months so the first three months i was like katie just be gentle with yourself but now it's like okay we have to like start adapting to this new reality and i don't feel like i'm doing a great job at that um i just all over the place in my bed <laughs> like yeah never pops up in my head instead of like following my routine like yeah block is routine so definitely i struggle with routine yeah i think a lot of us are right now um and then uh if do you have any any advice for anybody who is looking to get sober what they what they might do or if they're struggling with alcoholism i mean what would you what would you say to somebody who said hey i just want to I want to quit drinking. Um, I would say reach out to someone. I think that when you support is just so important. I feel like sometimes we underestimate how important support is, but I feel like when, if you feel like you need help in terms of alcohol, or any substance, I think reaching out and getting the help, whether that be AA or a rehab or like a counselor or a number that you see that you found online, just making that initial um, effort to say, Hey, I have a problem and I need help. I think that that's just so important. You can like, you know, you might not get sober right away. You might, some people do, some people don't, but the fact that you're making this effort, um, like sometimes I'll post something and, you know, I'll see a comment or I, you know, I go through this a lot of like women who I know they need, they want help and I know they want to stop drinking, but sometimes they're just not really like all the way there. Like, you know, you, you commented on my profile. So now I'm DMing you and you're giving me one word answers. Like, um, so it's like just admitting that like you need help and that's okay. I think that's so important and letting people um, help you. One thing that I, I always say, um, I mean, I need to follow my own advice. Everything that I've been through in life, someone has already been through it. Me, the thing is that I probably just didn't listen. 
probably thought it could never happen to me. Probably thought that it was I'm too good for it to happen. You anything that anyone is going through, there's always gonna be a solution. So you like the hard work. And I don't think the hard work is already done for you, but the fact that like, you know, imagine before AA, imagine before Zoom, like you know what I mean? Like we, there's solutions. You just have to find it and find which one works for you. But like, we, thank God we don't have to come up with our own stuff. Like I don't need to make an AA, like or like uh, the Naked Mind. It's already there. Like you know, like solution yeah. is there already. So mm-hmm. just you know, stay hopeful, um, stay faithful. Sobriety takes time however once you've reached sobriety regardless if it's a day or two days or a, a you know that's another thing sometimes like i'll like talk to women and they're like well um i'm not really sober i i, I have only had like three days of like teen time i'm like so that means you're sober like what what you don't need to have a year for me to consider you a sober woman i think that once you make that decision that you no longer want to drink, I feel like, and you, you attempt and you try, you will always be sober to me. Um, even like if you're still drinking, the fact that and you're trying to get help and you're working um, to put the bottle down, I commend you. So yeah, just stay hopeful, stay faithful, and just and 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 things around us, and also in yourself. I think yeah. that's so important. Just really understanding that there's no one like you. There's no one's gonna live to tell your story, only you are, and you're writing it. And getting sober is a part of your story, your journey. So keep on going at it. That's great. Thank you so much. And is it your birthday today? It is. <laughs> I'm so, honestly, John, I it's so hot. One, um, I don't have anyone to celebrate. So I was like, I'm just not even, I'm okay not celebrating my birthday today okay all right my birthday um maybe in two months i don't know but i know i'm having another birthday this just ain't it i couldn't even wake up to put makeup on because like it's so hot my cake (sighs) melted like what this is like like this is so yeah it is my birthday technically july 7th but i think i will be celebrating in october so (laughs) okay that sounds good well Thank you so much, and I appreciate your words and your wisdom and uh, sharing your time. And um, thank you again. Thanks, John, for having me. I'll see you on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at A is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>